0: I was uh, contemplating today on what to preach, how long to preach, and I just decided that I wouldn't preach. We'll just all pray and go home. If you believe that, This being Easter, it's very difficult because I know we'll have a lot of guests. And I, I'd really like to be dignified and, and polished and, because I'd like to get you to come back one of these days. So I really didn't know how to start it out because I've not been doing this very long. On my way to church this morning, early, I saw a man out by Joshua Oaks standing in a ditch, weeping audibly. I stopped. and, Being the good-hearted person that I am, I just thought I'd stop and see what's wrong. And he said... As I was coming down the road, a rabbit run out in front of me. I swerved to try to miss it because I love animals. And But as I swerved, the rabbit swerved with me and I run in, run over the rabbit with one of my tires. And I, I love animals, he said, and it kind of hurts me when I do that and... And I walked over to see the rabbit and to my ultimate surprise, the rabbit had a basket full of eggs. (laughs) And he said, the days weren't, I have run over and killed the Easter bunny. We stood there a while, and a caring lady stopped by and pulled over and said, What's wrong? The man standing there with tears running everywhere said, Well, I've just run over the Easter Bunny. She said, My soul, something needs to happen. She went back to her car and got a can of something and come and sprayed on that rabbit. That little sucker jumped up. Run down the strode about ten feet and turned around and waved. Took off down the road about ten more feet, turned around and waved. Ten more feet down the road and that little sucker turned around and waved again. I didn't know what to do. I just stand there awestruck. The man is astonished and he runs over to this very caring lady and demanded, What did you spray on that rabbit? She showed him the can. It wasn't nothing but hairspray. It says it restores dead hair and adds permanent wave. <laughs> That's probably not the way you should start out Easter Sunday. But folk, this is not the normal kind of church. We just have fun around here. And we don't live defeated lives because our Savior has risen and we have life because of the Savior. I read for you Romans chapter number four. and just a few verses I read for you. Romans 4 and verse 23 I read for you. And please, if you would follow along in your Bible, I'd like to be able to be a blessing to you today. Your Bible says in verse 23 now... It was not written for his sake alone, speaking about Abraham, that it was imputed to him and the imputed is the righteousness of God. Abraham, the Bible says, believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And that righteousness was not that Abraham was so much better than everyone else. But the righteousness of God was imputed to him through faith. Verse 24. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed the righteousness of God. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. I would like to just bring you up to date of the events that transpired on the first Easter morning. And I'm going to read for you out of Matthew 28. And we will see the events that that transpired on that very first Easter morning. Matthew 28, I begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, the Sabbath in the Bible is Saturday. The end of the Sabbath is 6 o'clock Saturday evening. The beginning of the first day of the week is 6 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. That's why the Bible says, and the evening and the morning was the first day. Not the morning and the evening. The day in the Bible begins at 6 o'clock in the evening. So... In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. You said, if I'd have been there, it wouldn't have scared me. Yeah, and you're lying through your lips. If I was in the graveyard in the morning while it was still still dark and the earth began to shake and suddenly a lightning from heaven swooped down through eternity, rolled the stone away, sat on a rock and said, good morning. I would have had a heart attack. <laughs> yes, sir. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake. Became as dead men. Have you ever been scared stiff? That's the biblical interpretation of being scared stiff. If you didn't learn anything else this week, you can go home and say, it's been good to have been in the house of God. And the angel said... Answered and said unto the women, Fear not, ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which is crucified. He is not here, for he's risen. As he saith, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Let's pray and ask God to help just in the brief few moments we have. Our Father today, folk have come to this place today expecting a word from you. Lord, I do not want anyone to be disappointed. Lord, I am not here to entertain. I am here to to open the book of God and lay it open so simply that all here might get a word from Thee. I pray that would happen today and that this Easter would be one to remember throughout all eternity for some. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please look, if you would please, At Matthew chapter 28, verse number 6 and 7 for just a moment. I want to show you in these verses the most, the four most captivating words in the Bible. The four most captivating words in the Bible. Secondly, I want to show you the four most celebrated words in all the Bible. Thirdly, I will show you the four most challenging words in all the Bible. And fourthly, I will show you the four most commending words in all the Bible. Are you ready? Let's look at the four most captivating words in the Bible. Look at verse number six. Here they are. He is not here. Well, I don't understand. We saw him put in there just the other day. I saw it with my eyes. He was put in there. There is a guard of 10 to 20 Roman soldiers standing right here can vouch for the fact that we put him in there. The rock was put there to secure him being in there. The most captivating words in all of the Bible. And the most captivating words in all of history is that tomb is empty. The napkin is folded very neatly there that covered his face. The burial clothes is laying there neatly folded that he was uh, wrapped in. The spices, some say from 75 to 100 pounds of spices that was brought there to Hold down and to, and, and to keep the stench down. They're all there. Everything's there except one thing. He is not here. Muhammad cannot say that. Buddha cannot say that. None of them can say that except Jesus Christ. He's not here. Aren't those captivating words? We would like to explain it away. We would like to be able to slide it aside. And the liberals would like to deny it. And all uh, oh, the devil would like to hide it. And uh, the religious crowd of the day would like for, to, to, to shield it. But you just can't do it. The tomb's empty. And the most captivating words, by the way, why are you here today? If you go to church one Sunday a year. It's this Sunday. Why? Because the words are captivating. It's not about a rabbit that got run over out at Joshua's. It's not about hairspray. It's about those very captivating words. That have rang down through history. That is... Not explainable other than he's just not there. Notice also the four most celebrated words in the Bible. For he is risen. (laughs) Aren't you glad of that? If he didn't rise, bless God, you're in a whole lot of hurt. If the end of this is just a six-foot hole and dirt thrown in your face, then let me tell you, you've got nothing to celebrate. But now, if Jesus Christ, you can explain Him not being there, that He actually rose from the dead, lives today, seated at the right end of God, making intercession for you to your Heavenly Father, then you have something to celebrate. Amen. You hear me? Everything might be going wrong today, but bless God, one day it'll all be going right. Amen. Hmm? You say, oh, having a terrible time with this old body. One blessed day, because he arose, you'll get a brand new body, and you'll not have to worry about the aches and the pains and the doctors and the copay and everything else in the world. Thank God, the most celebrated words in all the Bible is He. Is risen. Boy I thought that was wonderful. That ought to go down in history one day. Number three. The four. Most challenging words. In the Bible. You want to know what they are. Come see the place. You know what I said. I don't want to see the place. I don't like graveyards. I don't like grades. Angel sitting on a rock. The earth has trembled. The greatest lightning storm ever in history has elated and illuminated the sky. I'm standing there. My knee's knocking. I'm scared stiff. And some angel sitting on a rock said, come see. I don't want to see. I'd have faked a shout just to run out of the garden. You say, for me, that would not be challenging at all. I would have walked right over there, looked in the tomb and said, yep, you're right. I can't even get you in church, let alone, how could we get you in that tomb? It would be challenging to get some of you here next week. The most challenging, the foremost challenging words in all the Bible is come see the place. The foremost commanding words in the Bible. Oh, you already picked them out? Go quickly and tell. See, this is one of them weird churches. Every Saturday we all meet and we go soul winning. And yesterday we had five people saved as a result of our folk believing that people that are not saved die and go to hell. And so since they won't come to us, don't you think it might be good that we be obedient to that angel sitting on that rock and said, look. If he's not here, that's the best message this world has ever heard. There is hope, there is victory, there is something beyond the grave. Quickly, go tell. Those are challenging words. Okay, if that's true, what am I to tell? What is the message of Easter? Is Easter about Bunnies that lay eggs. Wouldn't you like to own one of them? I'd breed them suckers, wouldn't you? That's okay. I'm not saying anything's wrong. But that's not the message of Easter. Now, you ladies are dressed so beautifully. What not little Smith... Dressed eloquent this morning in that pink outfit. That is what we've made Easter. But that is not the message of Easter. What is the message of Easter? Could I please give you that in just a few moments? What's this all about? Number one. The message of Easter, according to Romans chapter 4, the message of Easter is about pardon. The Bible condemns every one of us being under sin. The Bible said there's not one in this place, they righteous, no, not one. The Bible said that there's none that seeketh after God, that we've all turned our own way and done our own thing. Is that not so? The Bible condemns you and I to a devil's hell because of our sin. Not necessarily uh, because uh, we're uh, a certain race or anything. But we all stand in need of forgiveness. And we all need pardon. The Bible said in Romans chapter 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt Be saved. It don't mean you are saved. You can believe in the resurrection. You can believe in the death. You can believe in the burial and die and be without Christ. But if you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, according to the inherent infallible word of God, you can be saved. If you and I do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we cannot believe be saved. The Bible said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many folk believe that today? I mean, you really believe that. Say amen. You believe that if anybody, regardless of what nationality, regardless of what economic level, regardless of what educational level, you can have so many degrees, you look like a thermometer and die and go to hell. You need to be saved. And if you believe that Jesus died and, and was buried and rose again, hallelujah, the Bible says you can be saved. And the resurrection is all about being pardoned of our guilt and of our sin. Notice Romans chapter 4, if you would please. Romans chapter 4, we started out there a little while ago. Romans chapter 4, and I want to show you this. Romans chapter 4 and verse 24. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him, That raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Now watch this, verse 25. For he was delivered for our offenses. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Mine and your offenses. Why did Jesus die on Calvary's tree? For mine and your sins. You say, preacher, I don't have any sin. You're lying. What's a lie? Sin. I was talking to your husband this morning. He thinks you're a sinner. Your wife called me yesterday on the phone. She said, without a doubt, you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our sins are tying us to a devil's hell. And Jesus died that he might Pardon us from our sins. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Pardon, bless your heart. The cross, the resurrection uh, is a message of pardon. It's a message of substitution. Notice, he took our place. Verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and raised for our justification. He died. He was buried. He rose. Why? For us. For our offenses died. Raised for our justification. You understand that? Back in 1830, a man by the name of George Wilson was convicted of robbing the United States mail and was sentenced to hang by the neck till he was dead. President Andrew Jackson issued a pardon for Wilson. But Mr. Wilson refused the pardon. They never had that happen before. So they took it to the Supreme Court. And uh, Justice Marshall concluded that Wilson would have to be executed although the president had pardoned him. Mr. Marshall, the Supreme Judge said, the value of a pardon rests only in receiving the pardon. And they hanged Mr. Wilson. He refused... The pardon. The pardon was there. But the pardon to be in effect has to be accepted. Our Lord died for our offenses. He was buried and raised for our justification. The message in Easter is about you and I being pardoned from a life of sin. But oh, how many will die and go to hell because they will not receive the pardon. It's not about rabbits. It's not about pretty clothes. It's about Him taking our sin taken our sorrow, taken our burden by His stripes. We were healed, the Bible says. But for it to be any of significance, for Easter to be of any significance to you and I, we must receive the pardon. Easter is a message about peace. Boy, we live in a world that is absolutely void of peace. Oh, we have plenty of peace as long as we have value. But blessed when that wears off, you need something else. Notice Romans 5 and 1. Therefore being justified by faith. What's it say? We have what? Peace with God. The Bible says until we get saved, we are enemies of God. And you say, well, preacher, I, I, don't know. I don't know about that. Well, look at all the vice and evil that's going on today. The first thing I need in this world is peace with God. I don't know you folk not as old as me and it's 1103 and I'm coming right along doing good and right where I'm supposed to be. Brother Pickett says, if I'm not here, here uh, you're just going to shut me off upstairs. I know how many of you folks here remember back when Baptists used to do that? I I know that's old fashioned. We can't do that today because uh, it's just, you know, it's just not acceptable. You know what this means? That's a white flag. You know what that means? Dear God, I surrender. I'm tired of the circumstances and I'm tired of the problems and I'm tired of carrying the weight myself and I'm tired the load of life is about to... Wear me down and I, I don't know where else to go. I've, I've gone to the psychiatrist and I've gone to the doctor and I've been in the hospital and, and I've been to the marriage counselor. Dear God, I, I, I just don't know what to do. I think I'll just surrender. I used to be in those churches years ago and I'd preach and those old saints would stand up and start waving them flags. I thought it was, you're through wasn't what it was at all. Surrender. You know what? We need peace with God. We need to be able to close our eyes at night and pillow our head on and do it with the peace that passeth all understanding. If God should come back tonight, heaven would be our home. We need peace with God. But oh, not only that, we need the peace of God. John 20, verse 19, 20 and 21. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all the disciples were huddled in a little room, scared to death. Do you remember the picture? They were scared the Jews were going to come to them and hang them on crosses, just like they would hanged our Lord. And for fear of their life, they were, they were hid in this room. And they heard a knock on the door. And they said, come in. And nobody opened the door. Somebody walked right through it. Now, I know that wouldn't have got your attention. But our Lord walked right through the door. And saw that bunch Of scared, anxious Christians. And he said, Peace be under you. You like that? Peace be under you. It was a, if you please, it was a pronounced peace. You can have it. Peace be under you. I'm the one that rose from the dead i'm the one who is the prince of peace Amen. peace be unto you does anybody here today ever worry about anything do you know anyone who is a worry wart worrying is looking at god through your problem Peace is looking at your problems through God. Amen. Peace I give unto you. Is the waters are the waters in your life looking kind of turbulent? Well, I'm the one who walked on the waters. Amen. You need peace? Not only is the published a uh, uh, pardon piece, but he says. Peace I give unto you. And as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Let me tell you, members of Joshua Baptist Church, wake up just a minute. I know you spent up, stayed up all night last night watching that religious exercise by the Mavericks. And I know you're sleepy. But members of Joshua Baptist Church, let me help you a little bit. Let me tell you how we can get the crowd that's here today for the very first time to come back. For you to look like you have something. As the Father has sent me, He had just told them, Peace be unto you. And the context of the next verse, verse 21. Peace I give unto you. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And ladies and gentlemen, he said to the disciples, if everybody in this world can see Christ on us, they too will want what we have. Amen. It is a published peace. It's not something that you sit on at the house and rat hole behind the closed doors of your house. It's a look. It's an attitude. It's an outlook. It is what folks see us as. And if our Lord raised from the dead, why should we worry about death? Right, you say, preacher, what do you think about death? I think it's a graduation. I think it's getting rid of this old shell here that I've wore out and getting me a brand new model. One that the reverse works in. One that the knees don't hurt every time I stand erect. Can anybody say amen? Amen. I don't understand. People cry at funerals. I don't cry at funerals. I didn't cry at my mama's funeral. I didn't cry at my daddy's funeral. I preached both of them. Hey, what's wrong with believing in a resurrection? Peace. It should be a published peace. And that's the message of Easter. Let me ask something. How are you doing? You still wrapped up in dresses and rabbits? Hey, look, man, that tomb is empty. Because that tomb is empty, your sins can be gone. And you can wake up tomorrow with a brand new future. Your sins can be gone as far as the east is from the west. Cast behind the back of God, never to look at again. Cast in the deepest part of the sea, never to be brought up again. Dear Lord, pardon is wonderful. Forty-six years ago, I just bowed my knee by my couch on a Thursday night. And I knelt a hellbound sinner and stood up a heaven-bound saint. Amen. Say, how was your language? Well, we'll have to talk about that later. That took some work. But you can be on your way to heaven today. You say why? Because it's a message of power. I, I read for you uh, and it's uh eleven twelve. You don't have to look. Eleven twelve. A message of pardon. Can anybody say amen? Oh yes, he rose. For our justification. Yes he he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Yes he was delivered for my offenses. But thank God he was raised for my justification. It's a message of pardon. It's a message of peace. It's a message of power. Can I read it for you? Ephesians chapter 1. Verse number 19. Look at this. It's a It is a message of power. Hallelujah. Bless God for power. Verse number 19. What is the exceeding, are you with me? Greatness of His power to us, word, who believe. Do you believe? Come on, do you believe? Well, I want you to know something. There is an exceeding great power available to you. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Verse 20. Which He wrought... In Christ, when He raised Him from the dead. Do you know anybody can do that? Now, I heard about a preacher in Arkansas who froze his dead mother-in-law. And he's going to raise her from the dead. But just in case it didn't work, he didn't want her to start stinking, so he froze her. I've seen medical science keep the chest moving. I've seen them dilate the lungs. I've seen them keep somebody breathing. But only God. Listen to me. It takes power. To raise the dead. It takes exceeding great power. Mighty power to raise the dead. Satan did not want Jesus to get up. Satan did not want that stone to be rolled away. Satan tried every trick in the book. To keep Jesus Christ in that graveyard because if he could have st- if he could have, if he could have kept Christ in the tomb then everything that bible says is a lie and everything that you and i stand for and preach and live for is a lie and the devil knew that he had to keep Christ in that graveyard i dare say probably you may not agree but i believe that the devil summons every fallen angel in all the universe, the ones that God expelled out of heaven when the devil fell from heaven because of his sin against God, one third of all the created angels. I believe that Satan summons every single demon and every single angel and said, whatever you do, don't let him get up. I believe that death with its cold, grimy, sticky claws must have said we cannot allow him to arise. If he does, then we are defeated and we are history. I believe the grave, the final domain of all of us I believe the grave said, if this Christ arises, there'll be no more graves. It'll be history for me. So that evening when the Roman soldiers rolled the stone across the front of that tomb, I believe all hell convened. I believe every fallen demon and every fallen angel in the universe got together and said, We'll keep him in that graveyard. Death, with its cold, grimy hands, wrapped his arms around our Lord and said, You will not arise. Grave tightened its claws and tamped the dirt down real hard and made sure the rock was sealed and the devil said, it's done. Day one, a party took place in hell. Day two, they were still hung over. But as the first day of the week began to open, something started shaking. The earth said, we'll hold him. The grave said, we'll hold him. The devil's in hell said, we'll hold him. And the earth began to shake. Like it has never shook at all, if it's history. And suddenly, a light show from heaven must have lit up the entire uh, horizon. And down from heaven, an angel ascended, rolled away the stone, and up from the grave he rose. In power. Did you hear me? Exceeding great power. And you can't quit smoking? Amen. Yeah. Man. And you don't have enough power to be faithful to God? Yeah. Amen. Well, I don't know what my my family's gonna do. We're having trouble. <laughs> exceeding great power. To usward that believe. Amen. The same power that rolled the stone. Defeated hell. Wrecked the grave. And arose our Savior. Is for you and I today. Amen. To overcome the hardships and the difficulties. And the, and the trials and tribulations of our life. Can anybody give God the glory and say Amen. amen. Most Christians remind me of the missionary I was reading about. His name is Herbert Jackson. A new missionary. Signed to a field, and he was signed a certain car that would not start. It was a Baptist car. After pondering the problem, he didn't know what else to do. Went down to the school and asked some of the boys to come down and give him a push. They pushed his car off. It started. For two years, he either parked it on a hill or he left it running. Well, Brother Jackson, Dr. Jackson got ill and was having to leave the field. A new missionary was to take his place. Dr. Jackson was explaining to him the ministry and the ins and outs and the intricates of the ministry. And he said, oh, by the way, I must tell you about the car. He said, what about the car? He said, well, it won't start. And so I have contracted the boys down to the school. And so while Dr. Jackson was explaining his problem with the car, the new missionary raised the hood and said, Dr. Jackson, this might be the problem the battery cable is loose. He twisted the cable, got in the car, started it. And to Dr. Jackson's overwhelming surprise, the roar of the engine pierced his ears. For two years, needlessly troubled, Dr. Jackson had a routine of trying to do it by himself. The power was there all the time. Yeah. Amen. Only a loose connection yep. kept him pushing the car. That's right. Could you possibly have a loose connection? Yeah. And I don't know what in the world's gonna happen. Hey, the power is there all the time. Yeah. What kind of power? Exceeding Great power, might power, grave-shaking, rock-rolling, hell-defying, death-raising kind of power is available to us. And all because of some loose connection. What you need to do is get connected with the power of God. I close 1123. It's a message of pardon. Is anybody glad for that? Amen. I'll never have to face my sins. Boy, and there's a bunch of them. I've been pardoned, stamped to my record in heaven, paid in full Amen. by the blood of Christ. You understand that? Not because I'm a good guy, not because I'm a Good looking guy, although, and paid in full. I'm pardoned. Because I'm pardoned, and I don't have to face my sins, I have peace with God. Because I'm saved and the Holy Spirit lives in my heart, I have peace with God. And I have the peace of God. It's a message of position. Now, don't miss this. Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to get this. Have you ever heard of this? Eternal security. Have you ever heard that word? Once saved, always saved. Have you ever heard of that? Kind of hard to get a hold of. That God would love us enough to give us Eternal life. Because of the resurrection. I have a message. Not only of pardon peace. And power. I have a message of position. Ephesians chapter. Number two. Verse four. Are you ready? I'm closing. I'm I'm so close to done. You can't even spell it. But God. You like that? Who is rich in what? Somebody tell me. Mercy. Now, uh, that way, if you say it real loud, the folks that are here won't get mad at me. But God, who is rich in mercy? Are you glad of that? Because yes. I'll tell you, if he wasn't rich in mercy, I wouldn't be nothing but a greasy spot left. Hmm. Now, I don't know what you're looking so righteous. <laughs> uh, but God who is rich in mercy, wherewith His great love, wherewith He has what? Loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. The word quicken is the word for make alive. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And Jesus Christ in the wonderful mercy of God. Hath quickened us, made us alive unto God. Even when we were dead in sins. Hath he quickened us together. Now be careful, verse number six. And hath, now I want you to, just a minute, how many of you took, I don't like to call it dumbbell English, basic English number one? In high school or in college, you took basic English 101. No wonder we have so many folk that can't understand the Bible. (laughs) Hath. I was told by my English teacher that hath is in the past tense. Is that right? Now tomorrow you can say, I hath been to church. Now get this. And hath raised Who? Us. Are you an us? If you've been saved... Now listen. If you believe that Christ died, buried, rose again, you've put your faith in that. The Bible said, you that was dead in your sins, God hath quickened or made you alive. And hath, past tense, raised us up together... With whom? Christ. And made us sit together. Where? In whom? Did you know that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God today? Did you know that verse said, you and I, if we've been saved, we're in Christ? Christ and wherever Christ is positionally that's where you are right now you mean to tell me you already in heaven and didn't know it <laughs> that shocked you amen reverend yes 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 hath past tense raised us up together Who's raised from the dead except the Easter bunny? Christ raised from the dead. When Christ raised, we were in Christ and we raised with him. And Christ is seated at the right hand of God today. And we are in Christ, seated together, positionally In Christ, and when God sees Gene Wolfenbarger, he does not see him in his sins, in a bar, in a honky tonk, raising hell, in jail. That's where I deserve, and that's where I came from. He sees me in his Son. All because he arose, we arose. He sat down at the right hand of God. The right hand is a place of authority. We are set down by the mighty power of God, seated in heaven, positionally in Christ. I am already in heaven. I just got to wake up one day and realize it. All because he arose. Well, you look at me. As those folk did back several years ago. Did you know for many years and even centuries, the men and women in Europe looked out across the Western Sea, which we call the Atlantic Ocean. And they'd look out over the horizon and see the sun kissing the glittering waters. And wonder... Is there anything beyond? In fact, the country of Spain was so sure that the motto on Spain's arms, the coat of arms, was this motto. There is nothing at all beyond. See, they had been taught, as we learn in history and geography, they thought that if they sailed long enough, they had sailed right off the end of the world. You remember that? Because they thought the world was flat. For centuries, they looked out over the glassy seas, And just knew that with was nothing beyond what they could see. Relate to anybody here today? Well, I didn't see it. I don't believe it. He arose whether you believe it or not. He's coming back whether you believe it or not. There's a heaven and a hell whether you believe it or not. Then one day an explorer by the name of Christopher Clump just said to himself, I'm going to see if there's anything beyond. And into his ships he got, and westward they began to sail. The folks from Spain stood on the beach, on the coast, and watched as Christopher Columbus' sails faded off in the horizon, not knowing whether they had fallen off the world still falling throughout the age of eternity. But they stood there and watched and wondered. After some time, they looked and they saw some sails. Oh, yeah. Could that be the sails of that young explorer who sailed off westwardly one day And they stood and they watched. And lo and behold, it was the return of that young man. And they cheered and they yelled and they jubilant and they celebrated. And Christopher Columbus stepped on shore and said, yes, there is something beyond. The most wonderful country, the most wonderful territory you've ever seen. In fact, it is a literal paradise. In a world of skepticism, we look over the horizon and say, There's nothing beyond death. The graveyard is the final deal. And a young explorer some 2,000 years ago got on the ship called the old ship of Zion and sailed down through eternity down the golden staircases of glory and got off in a little manger some few miles just outside of Jerusalem and there he was born. He sailed the seas of humanity, did he not? They nailed him to a cross and they said, That will sink your ship. Nothing after this. But after three days, he stepped out of that graveyard and said, There is something beyond. There's a paradise, there's a heaven. There's a pardon for your sins. There's peace that passeth all understanding. And there's power unspeakable and full of glory. And a position you can have if you just accept Jesus Christ today. You accept my sacrifice, my death, my burial, my resurrection. Thou shalt be saved. My pardon is yours. My peace is yours. My power is yours. My position is yours. All for the taking.